Sideline Dissonant. I'm Brad Whitaker. As always, a lot to talk about today. Going to talk about Gordon Hayward. He had a press conference with the Celtics just this morning. There's some good news and some bad news for us Celtics fans. I'll get to that in a minute. Also going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and their struggles and what it could mean for LeBron James going forward. But first delayed gratification. It's something that most of us could use a lot more of, especially when it comes to money. If you don't spend your money now and you put it in a bank or you invest it, you're going to have more money later. Sometimes it, it makes sense to take a hit in the short term so you have something bigger and better in the long term. And I think we all live in the moment a little too much and we all could use a little bit more delayed gratification. But when it comes to Major League Baseball, the National Football League, and the National Basketball Association, there's different ratios of delayed gratification and living in the moment. For instance, in the NFL, living in the moment is very important. It's a week-to-week sport, so you're either preparing for Thursday, Sunday, or Monday's game. It's always, we're focusing on this Sunday, it's on to Cincinnati. Now, there's some delayed gratification on the management side in the offseason, but for the most part, the NFL is a live-in-the-moment kind of sport, especially in in-game situations. You're constantly living in the moment. The NBA is also very much the same way. There's certainly been some more delayed gratification over the last few years. You know, coaches rest their starters a lot more lately to prepare for the playoffs, especially on the better teams like the Cavaliers and the Warriors that pretty much knew they were going to the finals the last three years. But again, for the most part in the NBA, it's living in the moment. Tie game, a few minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's a defensive possession. Let's put our best defensive players in the game. Oh, wait, we got the ball back. Let's call timeout. Put our best offensive players in the game. Live in the moment. But Major League Baseball is a lot different, especially since the MLB really cares about Moneyball and analytics. And analytics has certainly evolved a lot over the years. Uh, which explains why we had 200-plus win teams make it to the World Series, the Dodgers and the Astros. But the problem is, there is too much delayed gratification in Major League Baseball, and there isn't enough living in the moment, at least in the postseason. And that's because you have 162 games to play in the regular season before you even get to the postseason, and most teams don't even get there. It's only five per league. Only 10 teams make the postseason every year in Major League Baseball. So, basically, managers have sort of adapted to this sort of analytical thinking that goes on in Major League Baseball because they're dealing with 162-game sample size. Oh, Clayton Kershaw's getting a little bit tired. Let's pull him. He won't pitch for another five days. We'll put in a middle reliever. But the problem is when you spend 162 games thinking analytically and making the right quantitative decisions, it's very hard to take that same framework, that same circuitry that you've built in your brain over 162 games and then just forget about it in the postseason which is what you should do as a Major League Baseball manager. And that's the reason I feel like the Los Angeles Dodgers did not win the World Series and the Houston Astros ultimately did. Because in Game 5 and in Game 7, when it came to making those live-in-the-moment decisions, Dave Roberts was still listening to the circuitry in his brain that said, we need to make the right analytical decision. Remember in Game 5, Clayton Kershaw had thrown 94 pitches. He was getting into a little bit of trouble. Two runners on base. Dave Roberts said it's time to pull him. We'll bring in Maeda. 
What happened instantaneously? Maeda gave up a three-run shot. And then the Houston Astros gave up an additional, or the, the Los Angeles Dodgers gave up an additional six runs through the next few innings uh, uh, to the Astros and ultimately lost the game 13-12 to in extra innings. In hindsight, had Dave Roberts left Clayton Kershaw in the game, in all likelihood, the Dodgers would have kept their 7-4 lead. Maybe maybe they would have blown up a little bit later on, but their offense kept building and building, and they probably would have won Game 5. And they won Game 6, obviously, so they could have been World Series champions. So that might have cost them the season. So then, what happened in Game 7? Clayton Kershaw said before Game 7, I can throw 27 innings if I have to. Kershaw is also coming off of two days rest. But Dave Roberts, with his analytical mind, was thinking, well, Kershaw pitched two days ago. Next in the rotation is Yu Darvish. He's a good pitcher. We'll put him out there. And Yu Darvish is a great pitcher. He's a free agent this season. He'll probably make a lot of money. He'll be one of the highest paid pitchers this offseason. But the Astros got to you, Darvish immediately in the first inning, and Game 7 was over right away. So by the time Clayton Kershaw came out of the bullpen, it was too late, and the Astros' bullpen did a pretty damn good job at shutting down the Dodgers. So had the Dodgers just started Kershaw instead, they would have given themselves a chance, even if Kershaw's arm was falling off by the seventh inning. And it's surprising that Dave Roberts did this, because last year in the NLDS, if you remember, uh, The Dodgers were one out away in Game 5 against the Washington Nationals, and uh, I think, was it Kenley Jansen who was in the game? They decided to pull whoever was in the game, Dave Roberts did, and bring in Clayton Kershaw for one out. And uh, Kershaw got the out, the Dodgers went on in the NLCS, and after the game, Nationals manager Dusty Baker was like, I don't know why they did that, now Kershaw's going to be tired from the National League Championship Series. Well, at least Kershaw and the Dodgers are in the National League Championship Series, unlike your Nationals. And that's why I'm surprised, because Dave Roberts opted for the analytics over living in the moment. And the Houston Astros, clearly both teams, the Dodgers and the Astros, took the analytics seriously, and that's why they both won 100-plus games in the regular season. But I thought the difference between Houston and L.A., was the Astros knew when to live in the moment, and the Dodgers did not know when to live in the moment. And they stuck with the analytics in the postseason, and that's what cost them Game 5, because Roberts pulled Kershaw a little too early. They thought, oh, Clayton Kershaw is struggling, when really, Kershaw was struggling against one of the best offenses in the history of baseball, the eventual World Series champion, Houston Astros. So maybe you keep him in because he's one of your best pitch. He is your best pitcher. And they blew game seven because they decided to start you Darvish instead of their, your best pitcher. Go with your best pitcher first when it's game seven of the World Series, do or die situation. That's ultimately why the Astros ended up winning the fall classic. Okay, moving on to the NBA, uh, Gordon Hayward had a press conference with the Boston Celtics just this morning, and all it's done is confuse me. Uh, As I mentioned at the top of this program, there's some good news and some bad news. Uh, I'll start with the bad news first. Uh, Yesterday, Gordon Hayward wrote a long piece that he published on Facebook talking about how he dealt with the injury and, and thanking the Celtics organization, and you have to scroll all the way to the bottom before you start to get answers to the question, Will Gordon Hayward be back this season? Now, uh, let's let me scroll down. He 
thanks his doctors, Dr. McKeon, Dr. Skena, Dr. Slavenka. I can't even pronounce their names, which probably means they're good doctors. Uh, and then he says, finally, the Celtics organization has been just over the top in every aspect. They know I will not be back on the court at all this season, but they have been making sure I have every resource I need and are making me feel like I am part of the team. Did you catch that? They know I will not be back on the court at all this season. Does that mean the regular season? Does that mean the postseason? Now, the weird thing is, he starts another paragraph toward the bottom of this piece that's titled Getting Back, where he says there's no timetable for my return. And then in today's press conference, the Celtics and Gordon Hayward reiterated that there's no timetable for his return. Okay, but then let's go to the good news. Gordon Hayward's already in a walking boot, which is way earlier than most of us expected him to be, and at practice today, he was sitting in a chair uh, taking shots. So, not taking shots, shooting. Shooting hoops, not taking shots. Uh, But nobody, look, I know the Celtics don't want to say Gordon Hayward's out for the season. Uh, They got an $8.4 million exception, a star player exception from the NBA, so they can Use that if they don't think Gordon, sometime midseason they can use that if they don't think Gordon Hayward will be back. But again, he says at the end of this piece, and you can find this on Facebook, the, the story is titled In an Instant by Gordon Hayward, and uh, he says, finally the Celtics organization has been just over the top in every aspect. They know I will not be back in the court at all this season, but they have been making sure I have every resource I need. Again. Does he mean the regular season, or does he mean the postseason? Now, look, I don't think the Celtics need Gordon Hayward back by the regu- by the end of the regular season. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, this team right now is 6-2. and two. They've won six straight. They're the best defensive team in the NBA, at least through the first eight games, in terms of defensive efficiency rating. Uh, and also, it just gives more time for the young guys to develop, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are way ahead of schedule in that regard. But... I think the Celtics, if they do want to make it to the NBA Finals, they will need Gordon Hayward back by at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Hopefully by the semifinals. We haven't seen how they will fare against the Washington Wizards yet, uh, but chances are they're going to have to go through Washington before they get to Cleveland. But that leads me to my last segment here, the Cleveland Cavaliers. How good are they? They are off to a 3-5 and five start. LeBron James seems to be playing pretty well, but the rest of the team is not compensating enough for it. Now, uh, you have to remember, why did LeBron leave Cleveland in the first place? Why did he go to the Miami Heat? Well, it's because he didn't have enough people around him to get him the championships that he wanted. So he played alongside Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and he got a couple titles. Then he went back to Cleveland when the the Heat began regressing, and he played alongside Kyrie and Kevin Love and, and ended up winning a championship and making it to three straight finals. But... Now that Kyrie Irving is gone, there doesn't seem to be that real second option for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, they have Kevin Love, but you can't really rely on Kevin Love night to night as much as you can Kyrie Irving, certainly. And look, Dwayne Wade's not what he used to be. Obviously, Derrick Rose isn't what he used to be. And now that it looks like the Cavaliers aren't going to have Tristan Thompson for at least a month... This is an interesting situation LeBron James finds himself in. Now, look, they're, they're going to be a better than a 500 team by the end of the season. They're going to get Isaiah Thomas back midseason, so that will improve things offensively tremendously. But the Cavaliers 
are the worst defensive team in the NBA, which you contrast with the Celtics, who basically swapped out Isaiah Thomas with Kyrie Irving and got better defensively even after losing Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley. So Cleveland added Jay Crowder. They're still the worst defensive team. And when they get Isaiah Thomas back, they're only going to regress defensively. So what does that say? Look, LeBron James will probably be back in the Eastern Conference, and chances are they will have a rematch with the Celtics. And the winner of that will probably come down to whether or not Gordon Hayward is able to make it back by the Conference Finals. But what pieces does LeBron have to work with going forward? Why would he want to stay in Cleveland on that aging roster with that aging bench? I think it's almost inevitable at this point that LeBron James will be a Los Angeles Laker by next season. He's never played with a pass-first point guard. I think as LeBron gets later into his career, he's going to play a lot less point guard. He's going to post up a lot more. He wants to be more of a playmaker, more of a scorer. And if Paul George goes to LA next season, LeBron James is definitely going. And look, Lonzo Ball seems to be developing at the rate you'd expect him to develop at. He's already a better passer and a better rebounder than most of us anticipated, and that shot will come. But Lonzo Ball does not need to be a great scorer to succeed in this NBA, especially if he has LeBron on his team. If LeBron and Paul George both go to the Lakers next season and they keep developing Ingram and, you know, they got Nance... Uh, and they got uh, Randall, they got all those guys. Why would LeBron not do that? Right Now he has a point guard that's finally going to work and be the assist guy that LeBron's always wanted. Now, Kyrie Irving wanted to be that guy, and LeBron just would not let him because LeBron wants to play every position. But I think later in his career, LeBron is not going to be able to play point guard. You do not want him handling the ball. And he wants to go to a young team, a team that's only going to end his career getting better and as LeBron gets worse and as he ages he's going to be on a he's going to want to be on a team with young guys that keep getting better to compensate for it so look I know we're only eight games into the season for the Cavaliers but they're they're going to be a fine offensive team by the end of the season because they're getting Isaiah back but these defensive issues are not going to get better and they certainly won't be solved by the return of Isaiah Thomas. Uh, that's it for this episode. I'll be back next week. Until then, I bid you adieu. <laughs>